Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first ever edition of the Three Point Threat Podcast. My name is Jared Woodcox, and I'll be your host. Um, I want to go ahead and dive right in about what this show is going to be about. Obviously, it's called Three Point Threat. Um, every show, I want to talk about three things that are mostly pertinent to the Utah Jazz, but occasionally I'll dive in as well uh, to the rest of the NBA as a whole. In fact, we'll do some of that today. I want to talk first and foremost about the NBA Finals. That'll be topic number one. Uh, number two, I want to talk about Gordon Hayward's impending free agency. And then last of all, I want to talk about the uh, free agency uh, of George Hill. Obviously, those last two are some big topics right now for Utah Jazz fans. So beginning with the NBA Finals, um, you know, I think a lot of folks would agree with me that overall, uh, they were somewhat disappointing. Uh, we kept thinking that someone would challenge the Warriors. Um, I guess the Jazz in some ways did a, a little bit. I mean, they had their moments. Uh, maybe if George Hill had been healthy, uh, Rudy Gobert had been 100%. Uh, but at the end of the day, that they weren't a match for the, the Warriors. They were swept. Uh, then you had the Spurs that for three and a half quarters, you know, they looked like they were going to make some noise. Uh, Kawhi Leonard goes down, and essentially the uh, the series ends there. Um, and then Cleveland, last of all, um, obviously there were high hopes for the finals. And, you know, maybe if game three had gone their way, we could have had a 2-2 series. But by the time Cleveland had their phenomenal game four, it was really too little too late at that point. And I guess my thoughts on the finals, on the championship, on the Warriors winning the championship is, you know, first and foremost, hats off to the Warriors organization. Um, it's incredible how they've managed to pull off what they did. Um, I mean, in some ways, I have more respect to the Warriors for the team they've built uh, than I do for the LeBron James Miami Heat. I mean, you have the, the Heat that brought in LeBron James and Chris Bosh uh, as free agents and, uh, I mean, <laughs> of course, the, the Warriors brought in Kevin Durant, and trust me, I'm going to get to that. Um, but just from speaking from the players the Warriors drafted and how they built around Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and, uh, and Draymond Green and then still had the cap space and, and the foresight, I should say, to be able to then add Kevin Durant to their mix, I mean, it's, actually, it's absolutely incredible looking at it from you know, the front office standpoint, how they were able to build that team. And I'm amazed they've been able to pull off what they did. Um, but with that, let's go ahead and talk a little bit more about uh, Kevin Durant and his decision. Um, let's just say I'm not quite as complimentary there as I am about what the Warriors organization was able to do. Uh, but obviously, Kevin Durant, I mean, he was once one of the most likable players in the NBA. Um, you know, I go back to his MVP speech where it was really impressive. And I think that was one of the, kind of the height of his career in Oklahoma City. And, and people really, really thought highly of him. And, and now he's very polarizing. Uh, you have people that love him, obviously. You have people that hate him, people that respect him, people that disrespect his decision. Um, and I really hate the word that gets thrown around on Twitter a lot. That they, you know, when they call you haters, if you don't like what 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 Durant's doing, you're a hater. And I can't stand that at all because I don't hate Kevin Durant as a person by any means. I just simply don't agree w- with his decision. And, and obviously, he disagreed with me. That's fine. Um, but my opinion is, I, I'm really against his decision to join. The Oklahoma, uh, excuse me, the Golden State Warriors. And um, the reason for that being, I mean, you look at the championship the Warriors just won, and in my mind, that is the most hollow championship I think that I've ever heard of. Um, I mean, you have a 73-9 and team, the best team ever um, in the regular season, I should say, and then they go and add one of the best players of this generation, and it just doesn't feel like the championship was earned at all. I mean, they went 15-1, and um, really, really close to going 16-0, and which in some ways would have just further proved how much of a joke the, the championship really was. And, and yes, you have all the cliches, you know, the people talk about that, well, Kevin Durant's a champion, you can't take that away. 
And, and yeah, I mean, I suppose that's true. He, he's a champion now. Congratulations to him for that. But in my mind, he traded the opportunity to be a legend uh, to simply be a champion. He settled for being a champion when he could have been a legend. And, and what I mean is you look at that Oklahoma City team last year, and they were up 3-1 to one on the best regular season team that we've ever seen, and they simply fell apart. They, they had that series. After the 2016 playoffs, um, Andre Godala of the Warriors himself, he said the Thunder were the best team in the playoffs. And I honestly, I completely agree with him. I really think they could have won it all. I mean, you look at how well Durant was playing, how well Russell Westbrook was playing, and I think they had a shot to not only beat the Warriors as they should have, but gone on to beat the Cavs as well. And, and after that, I mean, if I put myself in Kevin Durant's shoes, I mean, obviously I know I'm not an NBA player, nothing like that, um, but if I put myself in his shoes just knowing my competitive spirit, if I get beaten by the Warriors in that manner, I'm coming back up swinging and I'm saying, okay, re I want a rematch. Let's let's go again. I'm going to prove myself. I'm going to take you down. I'm going to have that chip on my shoulder. I'm going to have that pride saying, you got lucky this time. I'm taking you down next time. Instead, you know, the other way to look at that is, you know, you get beat and you say, oh man, this isn't fair. Let's switch teams. I want to be on a different team so I can win. And that's exactly what Kevin Durant did. Um, he, he, he lost to them. And instead of having that kind of that pride and that sense of, um, competitiveness that he was going to bounce back and beat him next year. He, he just went and joined the team that beat him. And what really bothers me about that is that it's not like Durant went up against the Warriors time and time again and lost. This was the first time that Oklahoma City and Golden State had met in the playoffs. This could have been the beginning of an epic rivalry. But instead, Durant lost once and he quit. He gave up. He joined the team that beat him. And instead of becoming a legend and really solidifying a legacy in Oklahoma City... Now, to me, he's just a sellout in Oakland. And um, kind of to paint the picture of that, you know, there's that, that Nike commercial that came out right after the NBA Finals. And if you haven't seen it pretty much, there's a bunch of people criticizing him, saying that he's soft, that he's not a leader, all these things. But at the end of the commercial, he's, ho he's uh, hoisting up the championship trophy and, and they, he silences them or however you want to look at it. And in my mind, the fact that he joined Golden State just solidifies all those criticisms in the commercial. He is soft. He's not a leader. He can't carry a team. You know, getting a championship with a team that was already great doesn't doesn't change those, those traits about him. Um, you could argue that the Warriors may have won the championship without Durant, and obviously LeBron James would have a thing or two to say about that. Um, but you can make that argument. And in my mind, it isn't the championship itself that makes you great. I mean, you look at, like, the role players on the Warriors that, that they have a championship ring now. I mean, you're going to tell me they're better than legends that, that don't have a championship? That's ridiculous. And so going back to what I was saying, you know, it's not a championship itself that makes you great. It's how you get there. It's how you get to that championship. And Kevin Durant took, took the shortcut. He took away the, the path of least resistance, I would say. And there's a really great article uh, by Reggie Miller, actually. I recommend you check it out where he talks about how Kevin Durant traded a sacred legacy for cheap jewelry. And, you know, even without that, even, you know, the ring notwithstanding, Kevin Durant will never have the legacy of guys like Reggie Miller, like Stockton Malone. Guys that, you know, they didn't get that ultimate goal, but their journey left so much better legacy than the way Kevin Durant has done it. Um, but getting off of that, you know, the, the thing that really bugs me about all this isn't so much, you know, Kevin Durant's personal decision and making the Warriors a great team, what really upsets me is just the balance of power in, in the NBA now. Um, of course, there's going to be changes this offseason. Teams are going to retool. They're going to be focused on beating the Warriors. But how we stand right now, 
the Warriors are invincible. Uh, th- there's just no one that can beat them. I mean, the Cavs proved that. Um, the Spurs, yeah, I wish we could have seen what it would have been like with Kawhi Leonard. But I think at the end of the day, the Warriors would have beat them too. And looking at the league right now, it's just interesting to me because if you take away the Warriors and, and, and the Cavs as well uh, for these intents and purposes, then you have seeds one through six, at least six, maybe one through eight, I don't know. But you have at least seeds one through six in both conferences that are competing, that, that have some hope of challenging in the playoffs and, and maybe even advancing getting to the finals. Um, even if you keep the Cavs and the Warriors, let's throw them back in the mix, but say a Warriors team without um, Kevin Durant, and then you have a 73-9 and Warriors team, that's what they were last year before KD joined them, uh, you have San Antonio, you have an incredible Oklahoma City team with Kevin Durant and Westbrook, you have those three all battling, and then throw into the mix, you have the Rockets that improved a lot this year, the Jazz that improved a lot this year, and I mean, that's a lot of teams that are competing, that can fight against one another, that can hold their own. That's the kind of conference I want to see. That That's the kind of NBA I want to see. Not an NBA where you can predict who's going to be in the finals before the season even starts. And with the Warriors how they are now, unfortunately, it looks like that's going to be how it's going to be for a while. Um, but enough of that. I know you've heard a lot of those things before. Let's get on to topic number two today on the show. I want to talk about the free agency of Gordon Hayward. And of course... Um, with that, the question that looms looms large on everybody's mind is, is he going to stay or is he going to go? And I've gone back and forth on my opinion on this as much as anybody. You know, some days I think there's just no way he can leave. There's too many good things going on in Utah. And other days I want to just huddle in the corner and cry because I know he's gone. <laughs> but, uh, you know, there's been a lot of different rumors reported about it. And there's been a lot that I've mentioned um, on purpleandblues.com. Um, follow me on there if, if you're not already. Um, but for a while there, there was a string of five or six that were just all negative rumors that, you know, he's, he's going to the Celtics. Uh, the Celtics are the front runners, the Miami heater in the mix. And it was kind of discouraging. Um, but recently, you know, there was a really good podcast on the vertical where pretty much they agreed that, that Hayward would be tortured leaving Utah. And I, I just love that. And I think it's so true. There's just so many good things going with the jazz right now that I feel like Hayward right now, he has to wonder, where can I take this thing? Where can I take this team? Um, you know, he still has a legacy that he can build in Utah. He could still bring a championship there if he's patient. Obviously, there's a big obstacle in the way. And, you know, everybody talks about the allure of Boston and Miami and those other teams that are going to be courting Hayward. But in my mind, if Hayward leaves the Jazz, it's it's not necessarily going to be because of Boston, because of Miami. I think it's going to be because of the Golden State Warriors. Now, Now, hear me out on this. The reason I say that is because... You look at how dominant the Warriors are, and he's probably beating his head against the wall trying to figure out how can I get a championship with them in power. And again, like I mentioned earlier, you take the Warriors out of the equation, and the Jazz right now, they're in that conversation for competing for a title. Um, You take the Warriors away, and I think Hayward says, you know what, we have a great thing going here. Uh, We can get a little better this offseason, and I can see myself winning a championship here. However, with how good the Warriors are, I think a lot of people might get a little discouraged um, not just Hayward, but I, others. I think the Warriors could drive some players to the Eastern Conference. And yeah, even in the East, you know, you still have to beat the Warriors, assuming they get to the finals. Um, but at least if you're in the East, you know, you, you have a hypothetically better shot of getting to the finals. Um, it buys you one more round before you have to play the Warriors. You know, one more round that maybe the Spurs get hot and upset them, or maybe um, someone on the Warriors gets hurt. Uh, I, I don't know exactly, but essentially it buys you one more round and that's that's I think that's the mentality that a lot of people are going to have. 
Um, beyond that, I think that you know Hayward could have the mentality that I gotta I gotta join a super team to beat the already existing super team, and he may feel like a team in the East has a better chance to create that. And, and again, I don't like that. I think it makes the league more top heavy, less overall competition. Um, but even if, if Hayward does go to the East, um, in regards to winning a championship out there, it's still going to be extremely difficult. I mean, ignore the Golden State Warriors for a second. I mean, the Cavs are still incredible. And you look at the playoffs, Cleveland killed Boston. It, it really wasn't even close. And you add Hayward to that team and even, you know, a fully healthy Isaiah Thomas. And I still don't think the, the Celtics even come close to beating Cleveland, let alone Golden State. I mean, Boston lost in five to Cleveland, who then lost in five to Golden State. And, and to me, that just shows how far away Boston is from a title. And, and yeah, I mean, you could say, oh yeah, well, Utah didn't even make it to the Western Conference Finals. They got swept by Golden State. But I mean, bear with me on this. I think, honestly, if the Jazz stay healthy all year, you know, maybe they, they get the third seed and they're on the, on the opposite end of the bracket where they would have played the Spurs you know, in the in the second round, and maybe Kawhi gets hurt, or maybe the Jazz luck out. I mean, that's not a guarantee either, but the Jazz could potentially beat the Spurs, then they go on and they face the, the Warriors, and again, if they're full strength, I could see them also, you know, stealing a game from them, having it be a five-game series in their conference finals, just like the Celtics lost in five in their conference finals, but the only difference being that the Warriors are obviously far superior to Cleveland. So my point is, I know I have my homer glasses on here, but I think the Jazz right now are just as competitive as Boston. And if the Jazz can keep Hayward, add a couple more pieces, and see some some improvement from guys on the roster, um, then you figure in you know Rudy Gobert, uh, the overall style of the Jazz. I really think that they, like I said, they have a better chance to give the Warriors a better, uh, more of a run for their money, I should say. So last thing I'll say on Hayward though is you know what the Jazz do in the upcoming draft and leading up to free agency, I think is going to play an enormous part uh, in what happens. You know, if the, if the Jazz decide to keep their picks, um, stay young, they don't really make that big of a move. To me, that signifies that they probably think that Hayward's leaving and they're looking to gear up more longer term. Uh, on the other hand, if the Jazz, you know, if they trade their first round picks or if they make a blockbuster move, anything along those lines. I think that means they're gearing up for him to stay. So I think the next few weeks are going to be very revealing. And, um, you know, I guess I I can't end this part of it without giving my own personal opinion on Hayward. And honestly, like I said, I change my mind every day. Uh, For a while, you know, I would just say, I'm just accepting that he's gone because then if he does stay, it'll just be a pleasant surprise. (laughs) And part of that's still true. Um, I wouldn't be shocked to see him leave. But as of right now, and maybe I'm just in a good mood today, but... I feel like he's going to see all the good things the Jazz have to offer. He's going to realize, you know, how tough a champion is going to be, even in the East, even with the Celtics. Um, he's going to trust in Dennis Lindsay to help the team keep improving, and he's going to want to go and try to get revenge on this Warriors team that has just smacked him. Um, and I think he's going to do that rather than flee the Jazz. So, long story short, I think Hayward's going to stay. That's my opinion for now. Uh, hopefully, it holds true. Um, now, moving on to our third and final topic. I uh, want to talk about George Hill. Um, again, on Purple and Blues, I've talked quite a bit about George Hill, um, an article that I, I was really pleased with how it turned out about how the Jazz have a George Hill dilemma. Uh, I recommend you look it over. Um, really, it's they're kind of in a tough spot with him. You know, they, they'd love to keep him. And me personally, um, the Indiana Pacers are my, my second favorite team um, after the Jazz. And so I've followed George Hill for a long time. And I really love the guy. I was so thrilled when the Jazz got him. Um, I knew that he was capable of doing more than his 2015-16 stats suggested or his career stats suggested. 
and he delivered. I mean, he was a totally different player for the Jazz, and the Jazz were a totally different team when he was on the court. And, and obviously the injuries were beyond frustrating, uh, but anybody that says that Hill wasn't giving it his all, I really disagree with that. Um, he's a competitor, and I feel like he was great for the Jazz, and I was so happy to have him. Um, but with all that being said, while I wish he could come back, I really have a feeling that he's going to turn out to just be a one-year rental for the Jazz. Um, at the end of the year, Lindsay, Dennis Lindsay made it pretty clear when he said you know, something to the effect of, if Hill gets an offer somewhere else and we helped him get that, um, he won't get one negative word out of us. So in other words, you know, the Jazz, they're grateful for Hill's help, that he helped him take the next step. But if he wants to take big money elsewhere, um, so be it. But he's likely not going to get it in Utah. And I think, you know, how I read into that is that's nothing against Hill. I mean, if he plays like he did early in the season and he stays healthy, he absolutely has a case that he's worth max or near max money. I mean, the start of the season, Hill was just red hot. Um, but I think in the Jazz's mind, you know, not only is that probably not sustainable, um, but Hill's just not absolutely vital. Um, if they could afford to keep him, I think they wouldn't heartbeat. He's a great fit. Um, you know, he's a great locker room guy. He's not going to cause problems with the team. Has a great re- relationship with Hayward. Uh, but the decision, I mean, if the decision is to pay a ton to keep him or, or to let him go and add maybe a few new pieces, I, I think that's an easy decision because the Jazz need to advance. They need to progress. They need to get better. And spending a ton of money on Hill might prevent them from doing that. And then, you know, we all hear everyone likes to kind of speculate and hope and cross their fingers that oh, maybe Hill would take a discount to stay with the Jazz, and maybe he would, maybe he would somewhat, Um, but like I said, I think also he's a competitor, Uh, he's going to get big offers um, from other teams, Um, we've already heard that the Nets want him, Uh, the Timberwolves want him, Uh, honestly, I I really hope he doesn't go to the Nets, Um, but like a team like Minnesota, for example, if they're truly pursuing him, I mean, he could make Minnesota a playoff team, Um, he's good enough to help them take that next jump, kind of like he helped the Jazz this year. And I think it's almost a guarantee that Hill is going to get a big offer. And, you know, I think while we'd all love to think that if Utah keeps Hayward and if they add some pieces, they can maybe compete with the Warriors, I think in Hill's mind there's a really good chance that he looks at Utah, even with how good they are, and he thinks, man, whether I'm with Utah or whether I'm with Minnesota or whether I'm with Philly or with Brooklyn, I'm just not going to beat Golden State. I'm just not in line to do that. So do I want to get paid a little bit of money to lose? Or a lot of money to lose. And right then and there, that makes the decision easy. You know what I mean? So he may very well go elsewhere and get paid big money and because he wants to get his last big contract, and I get that. If he does, I'll, I'll miss him, uh, but it wouldn't surprise me. The only exceptions I see to this are if Hayward essentially, you know, whether in talking with Dennis Lindsay or, or in other ways, makes it clear that he wants to play with Hill, and that's one of his conditions then I could see the Jazz saying, okay, whatever Hill wants then to keep Hayward, we're going to pay him. And and that would be okay, I mean, obviously, because we get to keep Hayward, but that still hurts because that's a lot of money tied up in two players. And at the end of the day, I don't think that makes you much better um, or gets you over the hump of where we were last year, but that's definitely better than the alternative of losing Hayward and going back to ground zero if it came to that. So there's that exception. The other exception would be if Hill decides, hey, I'm willing to take a discount um, but to go go play for my Spurs that I used to play for. And, you know, we've heard a little bit of speculation of George Hill potentially joining the Spurs. Not a ton. Um, obviously, Chris Paul to the Spurs, which on a side note will be really hard to pull off. But that's kind of a sexier story, and it's kind of overshadowed any other thoughts of, of Hill joining them. But, you know, if Hill wants to compete with Golden State, if he wants to go back to the team that drafted him, 
And if it turns out the Spurs think that he could be a good answer for them uh, to improve their point guard position, he may very well take less to play there. I mean, San Antonio is good at getting players to do that. And we all know that Greg Popovich loves George Hill. So that is one scenario that not not very, very confident that it would happen, but I could see it happening, I should say. So the last scenario I'll discuss with Hill is if Hayward leaves, then the Jazz have a tricky decision. Do they keep Hill? Do they let him go? You know, maybe he'll just decide for him and want to go somewhere else. Um, but, you know, what makes it so tricky is at that point, Hill would be really easy to afford. Um, and especially if there's nobody else to give the money to, if the Jazz can't really woo any other free agents, I mean, you could say they might as well give the money to Hill. Uh, but in my mind, if he's demanding a max contract, it still feels like a lot of dough to hurl at someone who isn't necessarily going to push the needle dramatically for you. Um, so there's that to consider. I mean, like I said, I like him. I like to keep him. It just seems like a lot of money. Um, if Hill walks, you know, you could also try to do a, a mini rebuild. Whereas, I mean, if you lose Hayward and Hill... You know, maybe you just kind of be conservative this off season and try to do kind of a one-year thing where you can try to do a little bit of building this off season. Maybe wait till the trade deadline, see what you have in front of you, see which one of your young players is going to step up, and then aim to be right back in the thick of things by 2018-19 season. That is an option. Um, I just mean, at the end of the day, it's going to be tough. I mean, if the Jazz decide to keep him, even if Hayward leaves, that probably means there was nothing better they could get for it, and they, they felt like he could help them still stay in playoff contention. And that, that's a fair decision. I would not argue with that. But more than likely, my bet is that George Hill will not be back with the Jazz next year. That's just kind of the feeling that I'm getting out of everything. And that is disappointing. Uh, like I said, I love having him on the team. I think he's a great guy, a great player. Um, but if him leaving puts both him and, and the Jazz in a better situation, then I wish him all the luck in the world. I mean, there is the possibility that the Jazz give Hayward the max, and obviously that is the number one priority. Um, and if that happens, then I know that Dennis Lindsay and company can fill the hole left by Hill and really patch up the other areas that are going to need patched up from there. So whatever they decide to do with Hill leaving, as long as Hayward stays, I, I feel comfortable that that'll be a good decision. So that, that pretty much does it for today. Yeah, I appreciate everybody listening to the first ever episode of the Three Point Threat Podcast. Just want to close real quick and mention that if you're not following us on purpleandblues.com, please do. We have a great crew, great group of riders. Um, I'm going to be doing this podcast weekly. So if there are topics you want me to discuss, please hit me up um, on Twitter, at the Purple and Blues Twitter, or at my personal handle, which is at JWDCX2336. And I'd love to hear from you. I'm open to feedback, anything you want to hear in particular on the podcast. Uh, but more than anything, thanks for listening and look forward to, to being with you next week. Thanks.